Welcome to Beijing's Daily News. Today is the 12th of October 2022. We'll be covering parallels in Web3 gaming in early day free-to-play browser and mobile games, application-specific roll-ups, variable security data sharding, and the recent Mango market exploit. Let's get to it. On October the 10th, the CEO of Mighty Bear Games posted a thread on Twitter to discuss Web3 games. Here are his main points. I would argue that fundamentally, people's perception of a good game are still rooted in the Web1 reader-only era and AAA. These ideas revolve around spectacle, deep skill-based mastery, compelling worlds built by developers, etc. In the late 2000s, people thought this was what browser-based free-to-play games were missing. These games were already wildly successful, played by millions and generated six and seven figures per month with teams no bigger than 20 to 30 people and minimal UA spent. Arrogantly, many developers, including myself to my shame, thought that what these consumers really needed were good games. We saw bad adaptions of AAA IP to the browser, along with some insanely expensive client-based boondongles. In hindsight, it's no surprise that players didn't switch to the new games. They played these games precisely because they were not like the games on PC and console. These games were built around a strong social core and a deep, often play-to-win or pay-to-win meta. The focus was never on core gameplay and that's what the players loved and still do. Some of these games have been running for around 20 years, generating hundreds of millions of dollars. Individual players have sunk thousands of hours into them across decades. In conclusion, the games that succeed in Web3 and bringing new players will be good games. I have no doubt about that. The other thing I'm certain of is what good games look like in Web3 will look very different from what they look like in Web1 and Web2. And that's just as it should be. On October the 12th, the Kasi Foundation published an article called Application Specific Rollups. The main content of the article is as follows. Blockchain technology is on the brink of a revolution. More and more projects now understand the need for modularity and specialization. Popular layer ones are shifting their focus to data availability with the goal of supporting orders of magnitude more data than previously possible. Meanwhile, execution environments and computational layers that plan on scaling computational power through rollups, either optimistic, ZK, or sovereign, have the responsibility of matching the increased data capabilities and offering an infrastructure robust enough for real applications to be developed. The setup that can deliver the most significant gains in computational scalability is given by application-specific optimistic rollups with interactive dispute resolutions. At the same time, the gains in computational scalability makes it possible to increase programmability and improve tooling significantly. Cartesi allows developers to focus on what they're building instead of where they're building or what inconvenient limitation they need to content with. From a customizability perspective, Cartesi rollups app chains give decentralized apps the possibility of charging different prices for different actions. They could, for instance, waive the gas fees for market makers on their decentralized exchanges or increase the cost of predatory fishing on their ocean simulator decentralized app. On October the 12th, Paul Inian published an article called Variable Security Data Sharding in Mira. The following are the main points of the article. The beautiful idea of dank sharding is this, only builders, which is an honest minority assumption anyways, will need to run expensive hardwares. Validators, users, and everyone else will have very meager costs while rollups scale to millions of TPS over time. The issue is, this ambitious vision will take time. 
depending on who I ask, anywhere between two to five years. EIP 4844 is a huge step forward, and I believe it will be more than enough for all the applications and valuable transactions that require high security for the foreseeable future, enabling rollups to expand 100x to 1000x from current activity. But there may be potentially be different classes of data-hungry applications that may require millions of TPS but don't need high security. But the other approach is, how can we improve over external data layers? While this is far from a representative sample, 20% of Ethereum validators today are way overspecced. At the same time, 45% prefer to have very conservative bandwidth and traffic requirements. With EIP 4844, we are optimizing for the 45%, but the remaining 55% continue to run underutilized. If we assume 30% of Ethereum's supply state, even the lower security DS16 is still backed by 5 billion in economic security even in this bear market, which is still in the ballpark of top alt level 1 or layer 1 level securities. It is also important to remember that this security spectrum is only for data availability. Validity proofs and fraud proofs are still verified with 100% security. So even a DS16 semi-rollup and semi-valid DM has significantly higher security properties than a top alt layer one. To continue hearing more, please subscribe to bishingventures.substack.com for daily newsletter and follow Twitter account bishingventures to hear the rest. This is Celine from Bishing Ventures. Thank you for listening and we will see you tomorrow.